If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome, everybody, to Podcast Unlocked, Episode 3. My name is Ryan Clements. I'm going to be your host, and Arthur is already making faces at me. What happened? Am I too so loud? Much, I'm just, I got up really early this morning. That's a lot of enthusiasm to take in that all was a, that that's was what you got That's what you got to do when you're the host of a podcast. But I am not the only host. I am joined by my co-hosts, the other pillars of the Podcast Unlocked, whatever, th- whatever has pillars in it. I'm going to say a fortress, a, a citadel. Tri- a tripod? A tripod. A tripod. <laughs> the podcast unlocked tripod. Um, I'm joined by Christine Steimer, executive Hi. editor of the 360 channel. I'm sleepy. You're sleepy, but how are you doing otherwise? Good. Okay. Things Excellent. Are good. I'm also joined by Arthur Geese, the associate editor. No, real editor. No, wait. What? Random douche. Is, is I, you know what? I don't think you're a douche, so I'm going to call you editor. Judging by the comments on my Crisis 2 review and the posts <laughs> on my wall on my IGN, random douche is a very appropriate... Can you, can you remind me, you're, are you still an associate editor or have you made the jump to editor? Oh, I'm still at the little kid's table. Okay. Well, I was an associate editor. Place to eat, I was an associate editor for a long time. My little pink plastic So it's chair. totally that's totally fine. I am also very pleased to introduce a first for podcast unlocked in our long storied three episode history. Brennan Ayub from the video team. Indeed. Welcome. Thank you very much for joining us. It's good to be here. I'm excited. Brennan I'm, is much more interesting than any of us. He has done interesting things and we have not. This Apparently. is true. You should just sit here and recap your life story. Yeah, I can start from the very beginning. Tell me about working like, for man. Michael Mann. Maybe, Michael maybe not from the beginning, but tell us a little <laughs> bit about what you do here at IGN. I'm the post-production manager at IGN, meaning that uh, I control the editorial side of the video process. You know, that that means the edits, the graphics, uh, you know, getting VOs with, uh, you know, the editors and cutting together the pieces and making sure all that stays on track and making sure that you guys get video reviews day and date with a written review. Make sure to keep it Lebanese. Yep. Keeping it Lebanese (laughs) all day. You know what, dude? You know, dude? (laughs) I love That's my favorite catchphrase that you have. Um, Now, I want to start our show off by apologizing because as I believe these guys know, the file name 
for the oh previous episode right. of Podcast Unlocked was Podcast Beyond Episode 2. Fail. Ooh. So much fail. So much fail, but keep in mind that I have been editing and putting up Podcast Beyond for 170-something episodes. You just blame me, so it's another way of my stealth trolling the PS3. <laughs> anyway, obviously, just a technical error. Greg was not trying to get in here and sabotage our entire operation. Although that would uh, be a better story. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Thanks for putting me down, Christine. So Podcast Beyond is, on is strictly that. PlayStation, right? Podcast Beyond is PlayStation. Podcast Unlocked, which is us, is 360. So we only have three episodes of Podcast Unlocked, and they have like 200 episodes for Correct. Podcast Beyond? Correct. So why is it taking so long to We're get together you. an Xbox podcast? Oh, well, well we... Uh, okay. Actually, hold on a second. Whoa. Someone has a question about that. Here we go. <laughs> One second, guys. Are we biased? Dun, 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 we dun, are dun. so biased. This is from Alonzo. Hey, guys. Love the show so far, but could you tell me if you guys are replacing TRL or just another Xbox podcast? I know it has been forever since they did a show, so thanks for stepping up and or replacing TRL. Unlocked the phoenix of Xbox podcasts. <laughs> Alonzo. Uh, so, to, yes, to answer your question, we are replacing Three Red Lights, which was the original IGN podcast that revolved around three, all things 360. Gotcha. So now but not we, really. It was more but about yeah, now, Lost. But honestly, they just talked about Lost and Bells and other Boring. things that I don't, don't understand. Penis okay. Fingers. That was a good late That show was a really man. good one. So fingers, good thank you uh, for the little uh, email, Alonzo. And hopefully that answered your question, B. Indeed. I'm going to call him B, by the way, because I think it's just a, a good nickname. That's right. All my so, friends call me B. Crisis okay, 2 really? came... <laughs> yeah, <we're>... Sorry. <laughs> Awkward pause. No, yes. it's because I was looking down my list and seeing what I needed to talk about. <laughs> Crisis 2 came out this week. It did. And that's going to be the uh, focus of our show today. It's a Crisis 2 show. But before we get into that, I do want to do a few housekeeping notes and get you while the topic is still hot and fresh in your minds. Uh, we are a Wednesday show. So remember, you can tune in every Wednesday to hear us rattle on about 360 stuff. Please do. And if you want to contribute to our show... You're more than welcome to do so by sending us questions, topics, and more to unlocked at IGN.com. It's so easy. So Even a caveman easy. Yeah, I was thinking it. about saying that, but yeah. No, uh, also, you can follow all of us on Twitter, where we do, in fact, talk about video game stuff. Not me. I don't tweet. That's fine. Do but the other, the, all of us do. I'm anti-Twitter. I am Pwam Cider, P-W-A-M Cider, all one word. That's me. Christine is just Stimer. Stimer. E before I, in Correct. your case. Whereas, Arthur Geese is A-E, Geese, G-I-E-S. You're or correct. Just A-E-G-I-E-S. There's no, it doesn't say Geese twice. Right. I was just That'd saying, be funny if it did. Arthur Geese. It wouldn't. So A-E, Geese. But people would be even more confused. A-E, Geese. There's oh. actually a dude on Twitter who's, whose name is just A-G-I-E-S, and people always tweet at him thinking it's me. <laughs> oh, no. There's a, so there's a very important E that separates you from him. Yes, that yes. is correct. There you go. What's the background of your name, by the way, Geese? Uh, it's German. Okay. Used to gotcha. have a bond before it. Ah, okay. It's also gotcha. pretty badass. Yeah. I like Arthur's name. Definitely. Uh, so we are all prominent tweeters except B. Uh, and if you would like to follow us, please do. You can also follow IGN, <gasps> which is just Chris at IGN. Our podcast is being interrupted. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Ostertag, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he's also on our video team. He makes things work. So anyway, those are our housekeeping notes. Let's move on to uh, more important things. We all like games. We're going to talk about Crisis 2. It just came out. Arthur reviewed it. And it is time for us to chat about it. Let's go to a reader email. 
Hey, Podcast Beyond Crew. I just wanted to write in for and commend Arthur Geese on what I thought were two of the best editorials I've seen in a while. Oh, His God. journal from the end of the world, <laughs> Crisis 2 Preview, was superb, a short but tantalizing and totally original preview, which was fun to read. In addition, I also really appreciated the How I Reviewed Crisis 2 blog post. I don't know if many editors have been doing this lately, but it was an informative look at the review process, and it showed that reviewers do take pride in their work and do their best to provide a complete and informed review. Anyway, I didn't mean to sound like a gushing fanboy, but after seeing all the... V- <laughs> wow, I totally cannot read this word. Vitriol? Yes, vitriol is correct. Wow. That's a word that I actually don't know. What does it mean, Arthur? It means the people who are really mad at me on my... my <laughs> <laughs> anyway, seeing all of it flying around in the Crisis 2 review comments, I just had to put in my two cents. Thanks and love the new po- podcast. This comes from Isaac C. Thank you, Isaac. And yes, this is true. Arthur did, in fact, review Crisis 2. He gave it a 9 on all three platforms it's available on. He did. It is a, now, it's a proper sequel to the original one. Is that correct? Uh, it does most certainly take place after the first Crisis game, yes. No, and I'm, a sequel, too. Honestly, I, I never know if it's a prequel, if it's an alternate universe. Video okay, games are kind so of dumb that way. There was Crisis, and then there was Crisis Warhead, which takes place sort of concurrently. Yeah. Maybe, like, past the last half of crisis yeah um and crisis 2 takes place four three or four years later excellent well it is the crisis 2 chat and that's actually why we brought in b because he has played crisis apparently yes. quite extensively yeah from what arthur tells me crisis i understand crisis is your favorite game uh of all crisis time. is not my favorite game of all time but crisis far cry crisis crisis warhead are all three uh some of my favorite first-person shooters of all time. Gosh. I'm a huge fan of Crytek. I just love their game design. To me, that's what's. To me, they make sandbox experiences. You know what I mean? It's like you have like this this large open wide space where you have all this emergent gameplay. Um, it's it's a lot more linear than a game like GTA, but to me, it's still a sandbox experience because there's so many different ways to go like at approaching each problem. And um, yeah, I think Crisis is. Honestly, one of the best first-person shooters ever made. Warhead was an awesome follow-up. And what I played at Crisis 2 seems to be a worthy sequel so far. So, so if I, I also played uh, Crisis and Crisis Warhead. Uh, I'm not quite as enthusiastic about those games as mm-hmm. Brennan is. Um, I actually think that Crisis is a little too big for its own good. It's easy to just... There's a an emphasis on wandering around and just screwing around with stuff. And... Some people are totally into that, and I get it, but I'm much more interested in a a game with more purpose to it than that. Like, as cool as picking up a turtle and throwing it 200 <laughs> feet into the ocean <laughs> is, or shooting seagulls out of the sky, or, or kicking crabs. You well, know. Do you guys ever you know. mess with the building? Like, I, I never played Crisis, but I always, like, would look up the videos on YouTube of people just, like... You know, ten thousand barrels right, stacked up, really and then knocking them all down. Ridiculous! That's crap. not really what it's about, though, right? I, I mean, see, I don't know that that's true. I feel like it's kind of a toy. You're acting like it's sort of wasted space, but to me, it's it's like this really this real organic environment. Like right. when you're when you're playing the original Crisis, there's nothing that feels like at any point like it, the design is contrived. You feel like you're on this island. And it's totally up to you how to approach each objective, you know what I mean? And there are those big spaces between objectives, but to me that's the really exciting stuff because they're because they're like enemy patrols. There's just so many different directions you can you can I, attack something by sea, you see, can attack all, it by the forest. That's all factually true. I mean, yes, there's a lot of forest to go through, yes, there are patrols. I just don't 
there is a, a haphazardness to the first Crisis's level design where it feels like instead of arranging encounters, which is what you expect playing other shooters, and I realize that I'm making PC gamers livid, assuming they're listening <laughs> to this. Uh, the <laughs> thing about Crisis is, is that it just feels like instead of proper level design, they just took this big wide open space, filled it with physics, and very pretty graphics, don't get me wrong, and just dumped guys into it and had them wander around these waypointed paths. And when you fight them, it doesn't. It's not particularly fun fighting humans in Crisis, and actually, it's not particularly fun fighting aliens in Crisis either. Um, I think that as a game, it it holds together okay. As a technology demonstration, it works much better. As a toy, it's fun, and it's certainly a benchmark still for PC systems. So it sounds like you're more you more just want something that's very directed and very specific. No, no, I don't. I don't need super directed. I mean, I need purpose. You need purpose. I need. A... You're like the Agent Smith of game reviewers. <laughs> I suppose so. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. So basically, the the big change from Crisis to Crisis Two is it's much more directed. It's not nearly as open. It's just a. You keep saying directed, but I think that you want to say linear. Um, I mean, Crisis is actually surprisingly linear. See, I, I I really disagree with that. I you, mean, you start at one place, and there is a green dot on your map that you're supposed to go to. And granted, you can but screw you're around like the, on your way over there. Big empty space in between. I that mean, point there, that but there's point, nothing but that's really important. Like killing a patrol in the middle of a jungle in crisis doesn't mean anything. Like, but it's still gameplay, right? I guess. I I mean, I don't. But it's I just don't think it's very fun as compared to the bigger encounters in crisis that are more designed. Okay. Whereas Crisis Two, that's what it is. There's it's there's not as much of that fat around the game. That's much more just meat all the time. Got um, it. They're they're, I'm de- hungry. they're definitely there's <laughs> lulls between the action in Crisis and lulls. Crisis Warhead, but it's like yeah, lulls. But <laughs> it's sort of like it for for me. What made it exciting is that it gives you that feeling of like you know you're this guy who's like sort of marooned on an island. You're separated from your team. How you get from you know here to your objective? It's entirely up to you. You know, and having that freedom of movement and freedom of decision making is what makes it really exciting. So, yeah, there's definitely those points that Arthur's talking about where you're moving from objective to objective and it's not necessarily like, you know, the super scripted uh, experience and and it sort of relies on you to sort of figure out what to do next. But to me, having those moments where it's it's sort of entirely up to you is the most exciting part of the gameplay to me, you know. Crisis 2 is still fairly wide open it's just i I just think that uh, the spaces in crisis exist as a world the spaces in crisis 2 exist as something to play in um it's like i said it's a series of these we keep throwing around the word sandboxes but basically it's just these very wide very tall frequently spaces with a ton of stuff in them and weird shit can happen in those spaces and the enemies when the enemy ai is working Mm-hmm, the enemy right. is are usually pretty fun to fight because they'll react naturally. You can also trick them into doing things and use that to your advantage. Um, Do you have an example of that? That sounds really cool. Uh, so if you kill someone, other people will investigate that body. Okay. Uh, and if you just stand in front of the body invisible, they'll probably see you because you're not actually totally invisible. But if you, say, kill a body, leave it out in the open, and then circle back around that body, you can actually sneak up behind someone as they're walking up to it. Um, Sounds like Batman. You can also draw enemies. <laughs> oh, that's what you did in Batman. <laughs> I know it's just—it's an amazing. Batman has always been a very funny expression to me, even when you're just referring. I mean, to there the is, there's 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 some Batman. I mean, you have superpowers, and the way that you use Batman those powers. Superpowers. You just have super gadgets. 
Okay, well, you have fantastic super, abilities. Super richness. That? Yeah, <laughs> super dollars. Uh, I mean, you you just have these abilities that you use to move around the environment and try to set up situations to your advantage, and the enemies playing into that but also surprising you is a very big part of why Crisis 2 is so fun. Okay. Crisis 2 is, is awesome, don't get me wrong, but the difference between Crisis 2 and what Crisis... If they would have stayed with the same game design of Crisis mm -hmm. and made Crisis 2... You would have had, you know, Manhattan to run around in, and getting from point A to point B would have been entirely up to you on how to do it. Okay, I mean, that, yeah, I, the possibilities just, there, I think, are my, really, are really enticing. Whereas yeah. my idea of fun is not sitting in the middle of a street in Manhattan looking up Google Maps to try to figure out how to get to my next objective. I think I feel like <laughs> it would be it, there would be a, have to be a balance. There would have to be some guidance, like for those players that and, want to yeah. see the next action set piece. It would say. Turn right on Fourth Street. Well, yeah, you can but, always uh, mark your You always point. have an objective marker. No yeah, but but in terms of saying like, I see an office building right there. It looks quiet. I'm going to go through that office building, yeah. get on top of here, jump across those two roofs, maybe go over that bridge. That would be awesome. And it's a different experience, totally cool. right? Because maybe maybe you'll encounter an enemy patrol, or maybe I'll take a different route where I circumvented that entire enemy patrol right. and have completely different experiences. Yeah. But so, there are totally opportunities to do that in Crisis Two. It's just not. Not as, as random. Not as like also not are, as wide open, right? I I just I feel like people overstate how big Crisis Two was. Um, Crisis Two strikes me as sort of like it's more like Halo Reach, you know? Bigger than Halo Reach, but a bigger, similar yeah. sort of idea. But it funnels you from each you know set piece to the next, and those set pieces are huge, right? Right. It'll be like a big bombed out area in the street, or like you know an enemy encampment. Right. But there's always those little funnels to get you. If, from one objective mm. to the and, next. And I think that Crisis 2 nails pacing really well, which is something that a lot of shooters have had issues with, where it's just nonstop combat over and over again, whereas in Crisis, you you can actually go a little bit, <clears throat> or in Crisis 2, you can go a little bit between firefights, but there's always enough time to sort of catch your breath, take something in, sort of get a better handle on what your objective is, make your way to it, and then it slowly sets up another set piece, and it delivers those set pieces on such a consistent basis Okay. that it's always showing you something. And it helps that the game looks really fantastic. Excellent. Um, yeah. Well, I have, a, I have a couple questions for you, if you don't sure. mind me asking. Well, first I want to ask, this is the, the absolute basic, do I, say me, gamer A, mm -hmm. do I need to play either the original or Warhead to understand it all, what's happening, or to get any sort of context out of Crisis 2? I don't think so. I think most of the questions you have will be answered by the end. Any question that they're interested in answering will be answered by the end. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm really interested to see how it unfolds. Like, geez, what is what that? There, so I totally, yeah, I totally expect some cataclysmic things to happen during this podcast because there's a speaker going to be speaking outside. Does she also have the ability she to has the ability to, exactly. to create earthquakes? That freaked me out. But anyway. right. So, um, yeah, without spoiling anything, the way Crisis 2 started off almost disappointed me a little bit just because there are a lot of characters who they aren't referencing yet. Right. Granted, I'm only a few hours in and I don't want you to spoil it for me, but it kicks off. Like, the way that Crisis ended, um, this Crisis 2 starts off with Prophet. Uh, which was one of the, not your player character, but one of the main characters from the original right. Crisis. You shouldn't say any more than okay. what you already said because I can already see what you're doing and that is a pretty big plot point. You think so? Yes. Okay. It's in my paperwork well, it's, it's, of things I'm not supposed to talk about. But it's in the first hey, you couple, can talk about anything the first couple I mean, minutes of the Crisis only, 2. The only returning character like it, initially that you see is Prophet. 
who was your squad leader in Crisis, and I don't think he made a return appearance in Crisis Warhead. He wasn't in Crisis Warhead. Um, so he, like halfway through um, Crisis, he disappears, and then he comes back, and he's seen some weird stuff that he won't really talk about. <laughs> and he has this mysterious, really powerful weapon that he uses to fight these aliens, and after the end of Crisis, he goes back to the island that the first game took place on. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. But like, I know. don't know that that is exactly well, what you're no, going to say. I think like, you're going to you say know, more that maybe you shouldn't. The end of Crisis, <laughs> it's like I'm going back to the island to kick some alien ass. Except like that's, lost. that's not actually. What oh happens. no, <laughs> that is. He, you take, he takes off in the jet, and he's like, I'm going back to the island. Well, he goes back to the island, but he doesn't find what he expects to find. And you find that the, out in Crisis. Wow, you guys are actually that. an episode okay. of Lost okay. right gotcha, now. This gotcha. is the most cryptic right, no. conversation. No, 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 it's, ever. it's cryptic because I don't want to spoil it. I know. I, no, no, no. And I, I'm sure our, our listeners appreciate that. It's good. It's good to know that they're going <laughs> to reference that story again. I just, I, I was just hoping that they weren't like cleaning the slate at the very beginning of Crisis Two. No. And they weren't going to reference. Uh, also, the author who, the sci-fi author Richard Morgan, who wrote Crisis Two as well as a bunch of other books is writing a comic series that bridges Crisis and Crisis 2. Um, so you will find out what happened to Nomad, who is the main character in Crisis, and yeah. Psycho, who is the main character in Crisis Warhead. Right. Cool beans. Um, <laughs> and for the first time, we have a protagonist that seemingly doesn't speak. I've only right. played a couple hours. Like, in Crisis and Crisis Warhead, the player characters right. had a voice. Right. Nomad and Psycho both talked in Crisis and Crisis Warhead. Uh Alcatraz, who is the character you play as, uh, who finds himself in possession of the nano suit, does not talk. I swear to God, he did before. At, at E3, I swear, I was in a demo. Alcatraz? He talked. There's and a I lot was of like, voices coming over the. Terrible. It, was, it was actually someone like just standing next <laughs> to you. Like, I, I, played the, uh, I, played, I played both demos at E3. I, I didn't play anything. It was a presentation. Oh, I don't, I don't remember him talking. But and I, I mean, maybe it wasn't him, maybe it was a squad member. Um, but I yeah. was just like, oh, God. They just took his lines out. And while they're, yeah. uh, they're, they're, so terrible. they're pretty, like... <laughs> we'll just have him be quiet. They're pretty, be better. <laughs> there are pretty basic design issue reasons as to why to have why you'd have a silent main character. Um, there are actually <clears throat> particular story reasons as to why Alcatraz does not speak. I'm interested cool. to find are out. Vocal yeah. cords cut? I, I can't say anything without spoiling. Because generally I'm not a big fan element. of the silent protagonist. Not you don't like Gordon Freeman? I love Half-Life. think he's the most well-realized well, okay. character ever. Valve, Valve can get away with it just because they make unbelievably amazing games. What about Link? Do you want Link to talk too? Yes, I want Link to talk. So Doesn't he? Yeah, he goes, that's right. Sort of. Anyway, all right. Let's move on real fast because that Link should not be discussed in this sacred house. Uh, Arthur, you gave... <laughs> You gave Crisis a nine on all three platforms. I did give Crisis a nine on all Now, I, I want to uh, – Jack has a question for you. Not, uh, not Jack, Jack DeVries, yeah. our Jack. This is a separate <laughs> is Jack. Is it just the lyrics to like a G6? <laughs> <laughs> what up, Unlocked? My name is Jack, and I'm a fan of both my 360 and my PS3. They each uh-huh. have their high and low points. I tend to get all my single-player <laughs> single single games on PS3 and multiplayer on 360. On some games, one system is a clear winner. With Crisis 2 coming out, which system is better? I'm, sh- I'm, I'm assuming Jack means uh, which, which system console. is... Yeah, which console version is better to purchase. The 360 Thanks, Jack. Version. All right. So I actually wanted to talk to you about this because this surprised me. I thought you might have considered giving the PS3 version a lower score. A but lower we ended overall up, score. Overall score. We ended up being the same across, and I th- was hoping you could uh, illuminate us on... Uh, 
why that happened. Why the graphics score is lower in the PS3? Well, yeah, we'll talk about all versions, but then maybe you could let's talk about why they're still equal in terms of um, overall score. Well, the PC version is the best version of Crisis 2 by a damn sight, with the exception of I I really hate server browsers and multiplayer. Um, meanwhile, uh, the 360 version looks visually is really, 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 really close to the PC version. Uh, from a lighting and effects and character models and textures standpoint. At right. high settings. At high settings. Mm -hmm. um, you can change well, the 360 setting? No, no, no. no, no it's uh, close PC. to the PC version at high settings. Okay, got it. Wait, wait. There, there are only three visual Sorry, settings. Sorry, extreme in, settings. Okay, so there are only three visual <laughs> settings in Crisis 2 on PC. There's high, All right. very high, and extreme. Gotcha. There so is high no is low. actually the lowest. Oh, yes. Yeah, high is... That's the lowest. So it's like at a venti uh, at Brendan, Starbucks. Brennan, <laughs> Brennan is saying that, uh, Whatever the hell it is. that it resembles the PC version on Extreme. Which, uh, is, which is really good, right? Yes. Yeah. No, uh, no. It's really pretty impressive that they pulled it off. Whereas the PS3 version is very clearly, if you've seen all three versions, missing some lighting effects, missing some shadow effects. It's running at a lower resolution. Uh, and you and said it had some sort of stretching, right? Yeah, okay, so if you don't want to notice weirdness for the rest of the time you're playing Crisis 2 on PS3 or 360, you should stop listening right now. <laughs> uh, don't stop listening entirely, just fast forward for if 30 you, seconds. <laughs> in the PC version of Crisis 2, if you jump off a high surface, for example, and you land hard, you'll take damage and a red circle will appear in the center of the screen. Right. It is a perfect circle. Uh, on the 360 version, if you jump from a tall surface and land on the floor hard, you will see an oval. The 360 or PS3 a, version? The 360 that is oh, about 10% okay. wider okay, than the it. circle in the PC version because right. it's running at a different resolution that's being stretched got to it. the left and right. Got it. And usually when games do that, they factor that stuff in for some reason. Crytek didn't. Uh, the PS3 version, if you jump from a high surface and land hard, you will see a wider oval <laughs> that's about 20% wider than the circle that you see in Crisis. Also, uh, the button prompts, when you look at them, the square button is a rectangle. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's so and not weird. Like, not geometric rectangle, like, oh, all squares are rectangle. I mean, it's a fucking rectangle. Right. Uh, it's elongated, and there's some yeah. visual distortion going on. Okay. And I mean, and again, I mean, there are just some lighting effects that are missing, um, some lower detail stuff. It seems like, although the textures are the same, um, and the frame rate's not as good. Okay. Wh having said those things, I, for a, a gamer that only owns a PS3, would you still say Crisis 2 is worth checking? I out think on it's the, the best shooter that's come out on the PS3 in a really long time. Okay, which is excellent. Yes. So you still, you would say you still enjoyed yourself barring these, these, you know, unfortunate yeah, I think that it's absolutely worth playing. the best first-person shooter on the PS3? No. Really? I mean, Bad Company 2 is on the PS3. What about but the single player? Bad bro. Company 2 you think is better than the single oh, player? Oh, I thought we were talking about good first-person shooters. Oh, God, don't <laughs> say resistance. Anyway. I, I, I mean, I've played about half of Killzone 3 and didn't particularly enjoy it. Um, Understandable. I actually think Killzone 2 looks better than Killzone 3, but that's a different conversation. Yes. Well, um, you can come on Beyond and talk about that. No, I would great. say for, for, <laughs> play, for PlayStation owners that Crisis 2 is the best first-person shooter available to them. Cool. That's high praise coming from would, B. And I'm not a huge fan. Of, I mean, I like Call of Duty. Maybe but single player. I'm not as much of a Call of Duty player as other people in the office, but yeah. And also the Call of Duty games. Like people are complaining, or I'm saying that Crisis does not look good, as good on PS3 as it does on 360 or PC. 
but Black Ops and the other Call of Duty games in particular are marked downgrades from the other versions. Mm. Yeah. Black mm. Ops. Mm. I think Black Ops is running at a pretty low resolution. Yeah. Um, but then you other... have a bunch of idiots who just see the higher frame rate. And they're going to be like, man, this looks a hell of a lot better than Crash 2 to me. Yeah, I... I, <laughs> I really hope you talk like interesting that. interesting accent. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, I mean, it's it's absolutely worth playing. If you only have a PS3, a Crisis, Crisis 2 is definitely worth playing. But if you only have a PS3, why are you listening to this podcast? Yeah. Uh, hey, we, we do have, some, we do have some listeners that listen to podcasts when they don't even own the system. This is your fault. I do... Uh, surprisingly, I have. I feel like we haven't actually touched on how this game plays. What are sort of the the catches here? Because obviously uh, the main catch. So is... I mean, the foundation is the nano suit, which right. is the the advanced combat armor that you're wearing with an artificial intelligence. Uh, you have three different suit modes. There's strength, which makes you faster and stronger, uh, which means you can jump like a story up in the air, and grab onto things and pull yourself up. Which means that. There is a level of verticality in the level design that lets you really go up and down and, and try a lot of different tactics. Okay, cool. Um, you, it's pre a pretty regular occurrence for you to start a fight well elevated above everything else and to have to make your way down or figure out how you're going to approach that force, that entrenched position. Uh, there's stealth, which turns you invisible. <laughs> It's uh, so easy. Or invisible-ish. You still have a shadow, and if you get too close to someone, they'll know you're there because they'll get confused by the shadow that they're seeing and start shooting at you. <laughs> uh, that, that makes sense. Is that what it is? I'm, 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 I'm content yeah. with that. Uh, in multiplayer, actually, there's a, you you have to earn a perk that lets you turn off your shadow. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Um, and, I mean, that lets you sneak around and play stealthily. And, actually, there this... It, a lot of people will only play Crisis that way in stealth. Is um, uh, is there are there limitations in your weaponry? I assume when yeah, you're in stealth so mode. Yeah. So the other mode is a, uh, well, no, I mean, firing a weapon while in stealth mode instantly drains all of your suit energy and turns you visible. Okay. Uh, then there's armor mode, which gives you armor. Yay. <laughs> uh, it hardens your your suit's skin and and puts this weird little honeycomb thing over your view, that uh, but you take much more punishment in that mode. Okay. Uh, you move more As in slowly. you can take much more, not yes. that you receive you more damage. No, if you you're in armor mode, you've pretty much accepted that you are going to get shot. All right. Um, and that's the thing, is that there are points where you just have to accept that you're going to get shot. And you can you still have access to all your weapons during armor mode? Yeah, correct? you have access to everything You just are really slow? Um, slower. You're, slower. I would never say slow. I didn't feel like it slows you down very much, at least in the single player. It, it, it slows you down somewhat. Um, it definitely makes your footsteps really loud. And you can't run. I mean, you can... <laughs> It, it just you're less mobile in armor mode than you are yeah. with with just default strength or cloak. Every mode except for strength drains your energy, no matter what. Using those abilities more, like getting shot in armor mode or moving while in stealth mode, drains your energy more. Gotcha. Um, so it becomes a exercise in managing your suit's power, switching between abilities, figuring out new ways to tackle these objectives. Um, Oh, so strength mode is like a default then yes. for your suit. Yes. It's and it doesn't drain any energy. In, the, in Crisis and Crisis Warhead, you had to mouse between each mode. So, yeah, you'd hold down the middle mouse button and flick your mouse. Sounds like a terrible in, in mechanic. The direction. Whereas in the, the 360 version, you use the left and right bumpers mm -hmm. to switch between modes. Okay. And mm -hmm. 
that's actually that's on the PC and PS3 as well. And yeah, and some of the some of the powers in Crisis 2 were just built into button presses. Like you hit A to jump, but if you hold it down, you that's do how you do jump. a strength assisted jump. Whereas in the original Crisis, you'd have to turn on strength mode, and then you could jump really high. But um, yeah, and or so if like, you wanted to do a running long jump in Crisis, you would have to select speed, run while you were still running. Mouse over to strength really quick, hit the jump button while you were still speeding as you were converting <laughs> to strength. Yeah. It was very convoluted, whereas this is much more elegant in okay. its it comes, execution. It, yeah, it's it's it, it was easier to pull off than it sounds when you play a lot of crisis. But, but it was yeah. still not as nearly as intuitive. And this it encourages you to push your suit to the limits of what you think you can do more often, and that that pays dividends as you're playing it. It it results in cool shit, basically all, right. all the time. In cool shit. There are all some the stuff, time. some things I miss from the old way though, because there were there were all these little bonuses that you got that weren't necessarily like weren't really prevalent. Like if you were in strength mode, your aiming got sharper. You can still do that. Really? Yeah. If you're in if you're aiming and you click the left stick or the right stick, is it that will, just for the sniper rifle? It's for anything that's aiming down the sights. Oh, really? Yeah. So if you click in the stick, it'll take away some of your energy, and your crosshair will stop moving. Oh. Oh. oh look yeah. at that strategy oh, action. Nice. It just but the way that this also. It, enables you to switch between sniping, for example, in Crisis. Uh, shooting while you're cloaked takes away all your energy, so ideally you will be cloaked, uncloak, shoot, recloak. And on the PC version of Crisis, that was, or the only version of Crisis, uh, <laughs> you'd have, it, it's mouse over to switch to, to visible, fire, mouse over to switch back to invisible. Uh, in Although this, you could also give it hotkeys. There are hotkeys, but nobody really used them. Yeah. Which is kind of weird. Yeah. Whereas in this, it's just, uh, you'll be invisible, you'll roll your finger over the right bumper onto the right trigger fire, then roll it back up, and you will be visible for um, a fraction of a second. Okay. Cool. Um, I I did want to ask you, I I thought it was interesting that when I came over and you were playing Crisis, uh, on PC, you had plugged in a gamepad. Yes. Because you were really happy with how it controls on a gamepad. Um, for those that want to play with a mouse and keyboard, you, you're, I'm assuming you still don't have to do this mouse no, over to the powers? No, it's Q and E switch okay. between powers. Okay, so just a one-button press. Yes. And do you feel like it's that's manageable, or do you like highly recommend the use of a gamepad? It seems clear to me that they designed it around a controller. Yeah. There's, okay. I mean, and reading up people on forums, um, it seems very clear that they designed the game around a controller. Yeah, Crytek's tired of making great games and having nobody play them. They're going, they're going hardcore for yeah, the console. Which audience. is why they have an Xbox 360 exclusive supposedly coming out later this year. Yep, very interesting. Uh, do you guys expect there to be more Crisis games in the future? I hope so. I, I, if it sells well, I mean, why wouldn't there be? The attention on the site for this game seems to be high. Um, okay. Yeah. And the game is really, really good. Okay. Uh, it's probably outstanding. Amazing, yeah. I it's, think. It's, an, it's a 9.0, which yeah. is very high on our scale. Right. It would get higher if not for some pretty major technical issues throughout the game. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. I want to talk real fast about multiplayer uh, because we didn't touch on that yet and also these technical issues. Right. What prevented it from being even greater? What would you like to talk about first? Uh, we can talk about, well, let's just say technical issues because those aren't really present in multiplayer. Um, the frame rate is pretty variable. It's, it's anywhere between 20 three and 30 for people who care about the thing basically the frame rate slows down when stuff gets busy and it's not just stuff get, that gets busy visually it's when physics really kick in um because they are really really pushing every system it's on um with regards Does to installing physics it help on uh installing it cuts down on some texture pop in 
and decreases load times, but other than that, um, that doesn't really do much doesn't because help they, that much. yeah. Uh, and the, what it seems to me is that they are so aggressively turning off artificial intelligence around you when you're not near it to save on resources that sometimes they forget to turn it on. <laughs> Walk around the corner, there's and just an enemy enemies staring just into the staring, sky. Well, no, you'll see them staring at walls that, and they don't react to you, or like one enemy out of like the seven or eight that are around you is just standing there totally ignoring the firefight going on around it. <laughs> uh, other times you'll see enemy soldiers just walking into each other and you'll see bizarre visual glitches um, okay. resulting from that. There's some pop-in. Um, like objects will just sort of manifest out of nowhere. Um, okay, and fair enough. One time, I fell through reality into oh, a. No. That's what a what a classic video game glitch: yeah. falling, falling through, through reality the and the and the world. Yes, it's. Amazing. I fell into water. Yeah. Oh, was there water, water underneath there reality? Was water for you? underneath you reality. You weren't just perpetually <laughs> falling. You no, actually fell into. I fell something. into water, and then I had to quit out of the game. <sighs> nice. Lacey. So my. I like it better when you just keep falling and like you're just falling nowhere. You're just like ah. portal. Sorry. So if it, if the frame rate issues, but you can see everything above you. Right. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> if the frame rate issues weren't in there and the AI issues weren't in there, it's it's not even the frame rate issues so much as it's the AI issues and the uh, the general like sort of ethereal quality of the world on yeah. occasion. Um, I think that that hurts the game. So that probably Absolutely. docked at about half a point. I would say that docked at about half a point. Yeah. Yep. All right, very interesting. And multiplayer, have you either of you guys played that in any sense? Well, all right, Arthur has. B, have you tried it out? Uh, I've tried a few hours, but only with the demo. I haven't played around with it in right. the retail yet. Okay. Uh, I mean, the retail version looks better than the demo. The retail, the demo didn't have the best maps okay. uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, it's somewhere between Halo and Call of Duty. <coughs> in in the terms way of how it, it feels? Yeah. Okay. Uh, imagine Halo with aiming down the sights and everyone has all of the armor loadouts all the time from Halo Reach, so everyone can turn invisible or run fast or put on armor. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, I mean, it's fun. I just, I, there are some balance issues, like I mentioned in my review. Um, there's a lot of snipers, a lot of people using NanoVision all the time because it works. Okay. Um, yeah, and it's, it's it, I feel like it leans more towards Call of Duty because it's one of those games where you have to aim down the sights to be accurate. You're, you're pretty much always firing Depending, the um, there are certain add-ons for your weapons will improve like your Like a hip. laser pointer? Yeah, laser, adding laser sights to your weapons improves laser hip fire beam. ability. Um, yeah, there's all that weapon customization, which is something we didn't even talk about right. yet, is that makes its way into the multiplayer where you can add a variety of scopes, silencers. I don't know right. if they I add mean, in, in single player as you're going through the game, you'll find upgraded versions of the weapons you have, but you'll be able to use any version at any time, so you'll... You tap, you hold the back button you know, on 360, and he pulls up his weapon. And then, if you hit Y, it'll put on a silencer or take it off. If you hit X, it'll switch the alternate fire. Like it switches between being able to choose from semi-automatic or automatic, a grenade launcher, or shotgun undercarriage, stuff like that. And hitting cool. the A button changes from iron sights to a reflex sight to an ACOG scope, stuff like that. And so you can always be tweaking your weapons to fit the situation that you're in. Um, God, like I love weapon customization. If you can, like, if you have, you can actually take a sniper rifle and make it a reasonable close combat weapon by putting a reflex sight on it. Or you can put a silencer on a shotgun. With right, a reflex there are sight. silenced shotguns. That's uh, really cool. Oh my God! You feel like Javier Bardem yes. from yes. No Country for <laughs> Old Men. And then you also can upgrade your nano suit, which brings up your left hand, and you're just twitching fingers to select different upgrade slots and upgrade progression. 
Can't you do a badass impression of that dude, by the way? Or is that Javier someone Bardem? else on video? Anton Sugar. So. Not me. Who? Anton Sugar. Isn't that the guy's name in the Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. No, I don't he think. He just does no, a very unfortunately. I wish I could. Uh, anyway, all right. Well, thank you very much, guys. That was an excellent uh, chit-chat about Crisis. Thank you, Arthur. And if you guys want more uh, on the review, or sorry, if you want more on Crisis, you should check out the review, which is on IGN.com. Arthur also did a nice video review, as well as I think there's a comparison video for uh, those techies that want to check it out, right? There's a comparison video for the three platforms. Um, there's a 20-minute video walkthrough of one of the mid-stage levels, or one of the mid-game levels that... Uh, I don't know what's going on out there. They're just going to have meetings. They're having meetings outside. One of the mid-game levels uh, without too much story, so it's not really spoiling anything, but it looks cool. awesome. Um, there's cool. a lot of video for Crisis 2 on the site right now. Yeah, Sounds good. Please check it out. Do not miss out on the Crisis 2 action. Uh, so with that discussion concluded, let's move on to our reader mail section of the show, which I, I still want to call Carrier Pigeon because I think that's funny, but that'll never catch on. Uh, I do want to sure. remind – I do want to remind <laughs> – Carrier Pigeon is awesome. Can we call it awesome. cross-game chat? Um, no, because uh, that's too close to Nintendo voice chat. <laughs> oh. What? It's not like we're naming the podcast that. I know, but I don't like it. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. Too uh, bad. Pulling rank. I'm running the Xbox channel. That's true. Oh. <laughs> oh, snap. That's true. All right, questions. Let's go. But we can we can vote on it. I still, uh, Carrier Pigeon's hilarious. Come on. Uh, <laughs> I like I smoke signals. <laughs> I do want. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to point out to all our listeners that if you do have questions for us, you can email them to unlockedign.com. Please, for the love of all that is good in the world, keep them short because I've noticed that there we, I got several small novels, which is a problem that we have on Podcast Beyond a lot. So please keep them short. It just makes it easier for me to read them on the show. We can fit in more questions, and it's easier for your voice to be heard. Next up is an email from Daniel. He says, Hey, Podcastians. Which I don't like very much. Glad to see this podcast resurrected. You read it out loud. <laughs> I'm just saying that I don't want to be. I don't want us to be called podcast. Maybe it needs a different emphasis. Pacastians. Pacastians is better. <laughs> Glad to see this podcast resurrected. I was curious on your thoughts of some vital features the Xbox 362 should have. Should it be backwards compatible? Have a Blu-ray drive? True 1080p gaming? And perhaps some sort of cloud gaming to ease it into the future? Yes, yes. Also, yes, yes. if <laughs> no Blu-ray drive. Also, if backwards. No, saying ideally, really? you wouldn't want a Blu-ray drive. I, well, I just don't see it happening. Well, I'm not saying if, if it, it did, will, that would won't. be. I'm spicy. saying, would you want it? I mean. You know, I mean, I've already got one on my PS3, so I'm not yeah, too worried but about it. You'd but you'd be thinking about game discs and the fact that on the Xbox you'd have to use multiple ones. Where I'm sure. Yeah, but at the same time, I think that sometimes it makes sense, like for games that have these big, huge cutscenes that take up a ton of space, like you know, full motion video or whatever. But for the most part, no one's having a problem fitting a game on one DVD, you know. Or, or two DVDs, I, right? I think more and more people are actually complaining about that now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, mean, the big problem with multi-DVDs is that Microsoft charges per disc. You know what? Have Ooh. a gigantic hard drive, sell everything on SD cards, and, you know... I think that's a possibility. Uh, I think that... Or downloadable. Downloadable mm -hmm. or SD cards. I'm sure Microsoft would prefer they could just do everything downloadable, but that's not going to happen with the yeah. next console Yeah, but generation. if you do a physical media, you could do, like, an SD card, right? Maybe. I mean, I don't know if you could keep it cost-effective, but... You know, I, I like being able to install all my games to hard drive. I like being able to download games. Like, there's some games on PS3 you just never be able to download locally off of the PlayStation Store because they're too freaking huge, you know? Yeah. Like, 
I, Metal Blu-ray. Gear Solid is one disc, but ha- what is it like sixty so gigs or something? <laughs> a Blu-ray drive. A Blu-ray drive just seems like the most practical thing, honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm indifferent to the idea of. Well, I'm, I guess I'm not indifferent to the idea of Blu-ray. Well, plus, movies. think about all the problems with Blu-ray right now with the PS3, where you you have these mandatory installs because the disc access speed isn't as quick. Right, as but a, that's because the Blu-ray drive in the original PS3 is slower than every other Blu-ray drive on the planet now. Yeah, well. That was a first-generation Blu-ray drive. It doesn't have to do with the way that the data streams off the disc, mm. because like right now you have all. I the mean, that's part of it, but it's also the read speed. They can compensate for that with read speed. And also, I mean, you can get a 8x Blu-ray drive for your PC now for like 60 or 70 bucks. Yeah. So. Oof. I don't know. I I want to see a future where I can just download all my like I can buy the game on Xbox Live. And then the day it comes out, I come home and it's already on my hard drive. I, I, still want I don't think Microsoft has the. I think Steam is I mean, awesome. I told I, I do want most of it downloadable, but every now and then I do sort of like having a, you know a little bookshelf full. Of Hackers ruin sure. that for us. That's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, Daniel had more, but I think I, I'm I'm pretty sure we nailed that question well enough. So, but 1080p. I say 1080p. Absolutely. I I think that we're going to see the same thing we see this generation, which is that they'll say 1080p at the beginning, and then people will release games that aren't 1080p. Right. Um, (laughs) They lie. Backwards compatibility, I think, will be much less of an issue because of the way that they, the way that they enforce their uh, their certification requirements. Cloud saving. I'm surprised that they don't have cloud saving yet. Like they should. They need to roll that out, especially since PlayStation Plus members already have it. Agreed. Yeah. All right, hey, let's, conti- let's continue on our awesome journey through time. Hey, Unlocked Crew, congratulations Congratulations on your new show. Just a question and a comment. Will you guys be doing a review on Ustar 2 for the Connect, or is it just too terrible to review? I'd like to get your guys' opinion. Also, has anyone noticed that the announcer on the new Texas Hold'em Avatar game sounds a lot like an enthusiastic Charles Onyette? If not, you should hear for yourselves. Mm. Thanks in advance, Ryan from Indiana. I really do want to hear this That didn't occur to me when I played it back at at, uh, CES. (laughs) Think think hard. Is it possible, enthusiastic Charles Onyette? Do you you hear that in it? I have heard of enthusiastic (laughs) Charles Onyette lately, so I guess I could check. All right, let's check it out. We'll get back to you on that, Ryan. Also, to answer your other question, Ustar2 has just been given to one of our staff to review. Uh, I believe one of our freelancers, so that is that's in the works. It is we are not ignoring it. It is not quote too terrible to review. <laughs> so there you go. It's certainly too terrible for me to play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next question from Chris. Good morning. Well, is it still morning? Sure, Good why morning. not? Good morning. Good morning, Ryan, Somewhere. Christine, and Arthur, and I'll add B to uh, be nice. Thanks. Do you know any specifics on when Hulu or Hulu Plus will be coming to Xbox Live? All the Hulu website says is soon, and the Xbox site itself says spring. Thanks. This is from Chris. Now, I personally don't know, and I just wanted to toss it out there. If that's what the websites say, I don't have any other information. It's spring as of a couple days ago. Okay. So Um, still just spring? Nothing specific yet? They're basically, if, when I talked to the Xbox people at CES, they said that the Netflix Connect stuff and the Hulu stuff would either, would come out separately if they were far enough apart to justify it, but if they were close enough together development-wise, they'd release together in one update. I, that seems like what's going to happen at this point, so I would assume within the next couple of months. Cool. 
We'll keep our fingers crossed. Before E3, so that they can announce new stuff at E3. Before something the harder E3s. hitting, man. Come on. It's like a real tough question. Oh, I'm going through the ones what we color? got. Keep in mind. Like, you know, these are cookie cutter. Come on. Keep in mind that we are a new podcast. You are being a little bit mean already. We are, I'm just saying. We are very on. lucky that we had more than 100 emails accumulated over this week, most of which were Sonic uh, the answers yes. to my trivia. That was a lot. Which is great, and thank you guys, by the way, for writing in. That was awesome. I'm sorry if you didn't win, but there will always be more giveaways. Let's move on to a question from Kyle. I rec- oh, this, uh, this is a question for Christine. Oh, good. I recently went through my first playthrough of Mass Effect. So good. Yay. I didn't realize he, – he wrote so good, by the way. Oh, good. I didn't realize how close I was to the end of the story and finished without doing a good chunk of the side missions and don't have a save to go back to and you do sort them. You get bamboozled don't. in Mass Effect. I, am I missing a lot by not doing them, and should I go back and play it again doing all the missions before moving on to two? Does missing them change stuff that happens in two a lot? Keep up the great work. Thanks. This is from Kyle. What do you say, Side Christine? Missions? I think uh, it changes they, your experience somewhat. Eh, most of them weren't related to the story. There were some, but... Um, How many times Mass have you Effect played 2, Mass Effect they though? related their <laughs> side missions a lot more okay. to, to the story than Mass Effect 1 did. Okay. And you, Mass Effect 1, it was a lot of going in and clearing out mercs. I'm still hoping that uh, Mass... I think he meant more story-related side missions, not just planet exploration. Right? Yeah, I think he meant. Well, it's I don't know if say. you mean. I'm, I'm not sure if you mean like side quests from the main missions, like those things. Doesn't like in Mass Effect 2, you can beat the game without what? recruiting everybody. You can like totally yeah. miss out on side characters. Okay. Why you and would do that? I have no idea. But. Yeah, but in the original Mass Effect, I'm pretty you sure that. You could skip Liara in the first one if you really? did it wrong. Uh, okay. You're doing it wrong. You are doing it wrong. How many, Christine, how many times did you beat the original Mass Effect? Seven, I think. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm, it just blows my mind. That's so. That's such a hardcore dedication. I'll go back and play it again. Love it. Oh my goodness! And that's the original, folks. Not just Mass Effect Two, which I think is a superior game. I still game think that some way. stuff from Mass Effect One will pop up in Three. I yeah. mean, we'll. I mean, we're, I hope we so. know that stuff from Mass Effect I, One will pop so up. So my my take on this is that I I don't believe in like sort of spoiling an experience in for potentially when you might not get a lot out of it. So I say don't go back and play it again unless you want to. You can always do New Game Plus. Yeah, if you want to go back and play it again, cool. But But if not, don't force yourself, spoil the experience, and then be sick of Mass Effect 2 and then not want to play 3. Oh, there's no way that going from Mass Effect 1 to Mass Effect 2, you'll be like, oh, God, this is more of the same. I I understand that. It's like, oh, God, they fixed everything. You can still get get tired of a particular formula. That is a way of fixing it. Not really. It's just like... Yeah, I think there's some, the problem, there are some awesome ideas in Mass Effect 1 that instead of fixing them, they just eliminated. All right. Eh, let's let's move on. Anyways, I would suggest New Game Plus if you, okay. you want to make sure you're... The official recommendation. I feel New like Bioware is doing a lot of that, though, where it's like when they go to a sequel, they're just like, it almost doesn't feel like a true sequel. It almost feels like a reboot in some ways. I don't know, you know? that that's true. I think that they're just reevaluating why things are there in the first place. Yeah. Like, what point yeah, does it does what point did the inventory system in Mass Effect One really serve other than just to well, be? Well, just because it was poorly done doesn't mean it was a bad idea. It was a good. I idea. mean, why? I like. I'm one of those people that likes loot. Like, I like. Who doesn't like loot? I like loot RPG, managing my inventory. I, like, that's stuff I like, and that's stuff that I. I think that everybody I hope that they bring back in some form. There are games where I like loot. I just don't think that that was ever the point of Mass Effect. 
Effect. Like, it was there because they called Mass Effect an RPG, so they figured, oh, gotta have stuff to collect. Could have been awesome, though. Yeah. I would have liked lots of different armors, awesome guns. Like, But you in know, the end, how I'm much does that really affect RPG. the game, other than just a lot. to spend time It encourages around. you to explore and find yeah, and cool things. Yeah, to want to play the game more, because you're like, oh, yeah. maybe I missed something over here. Some know. games I, are... It's not for everybody. I mean, I'll say that, but there's certainly that audience that wants to do that. There's, there's there. virtually no loot in Mass Effect 2, and I didn't feel any less inclined to explore than I did in Mass Effect. I did. Yeah. Really? I would have preferred to have... I, I think loot is you an awesome You didn't check every planet to see if there was a distress I did, beacon. but it, I'm not saying that Mass Effect 2 is a bad game. I'm just saying that loot is, a, fan, is fan, a fantastic idea, and they just sort of cut it as opposed to trying to, like, you know... Make I would, it work. Yeah, I would have preferred some sort of refinement to the system as opposed to total. And explosion. also the Mako, like, I I would envision like Mass Effect Three would be perfect if when you land on a planet, it's sort of like a, a little cutout of an area in Oblivion, right? So you land in like your Mako and you have to drive to a town, and there are a couple little things to see off the beaten path. They tried that in the DLC, and it wasn't very fun. Well, yeah, that's because that hammerhead tank was just such a tack on, you know. It wasn't like <laughs> total I, silence. It was. It was I didn't actually play uh, the that hammerhead. Was the total tack on? It was total tack on. I mean, I'm talking anyway. about like you know this being uh, like a. I didn't like platforming with it. Christine, yeah, what would you say? That was stupid. Christine, would you say you want to see uh, the vehicle stuff come back in a capacity that B is proposing here? Personally, no. Okay. I hated. All so you want? I hated the Mako. Yeah, but I what didn't if like what if it was better? What so if it handled making, better? I'm making it. Well, the fact that they got it wrong twice makes me <laughs> believe that they are not very good at it, so I would rather they just stay away. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, let's let's move on because we have a, a couple more, and I want to try and wrap up the show in a little bit. Uh, salutations, Unlocked Gang. I have a few quick-fire questions for you. I hope they help us greater understand our dear friends. Ah, that's so nice. He thinks we're our friends. Adorable. We are. We can be. Please email Poor, me. clueless bastard. No, hey, don't say that. Be nice. Uh, all right. Quick <laughs> fire. Just like, Mom, no, don't, don't say that. Quick fire Be nice. Arthur. Who is your favorite game developer slash studio? Uh, that's easy, Bioware. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Sorry. I can't. I can't either. There's just too yeah. much stuff that Kay. I like. I'm going to instinctively say Insomniac, maybe just because I, I really get. I have a good vibe from their games a lot, but I love a lot of Japanese stuff too. Uh, what is get your favorite? Get off this podcast. <laughs> what is your favorite food? Uh, macaroni and cheese. Oh, I love macaroni. Lebanese food. Lebanese food. Lebanese food is delicious. Uh, Italian food. Italian food. I am going to say sandwiches and salads. <laughs> Such a nerd. <laughs> Your favorite Microsoft exclusive game? Uh, it was Fable. Fable two. Fable two. Halo. Halo Reach. Also going to have to say Halo Reach on that one. I was going to say Halo Reach or the Halo series, right? Right. I just Franchise. feel like Halo Reach is oh, okay. everything. Yeah, specifically Halo, Halo Reach, did. I guess. You're jumping right. the gun. Sorry. Next Next question. What is your favorite game franchise of any of any platform? Oh. Um, well, I guess Mass Effect. Probably Metal Gear Solid. Nice. Yep. Really? <laughs> I love Metal Gear Solid, man. Really? And, and Dude, part of it's not, nostalgia. It's not uncommon, man. Part of it is nostalgia. And some of those games are so common. good. It's not uncommon. It's always mind-boggling. Oh, yeah, but man. just because the games have low points don't mean they also have staggering high points as well. I've never been staggered. The first game I ever played on my you, NES you, was The original Metal Gear. Metal Gear Solid on the PlayStation didn't stagger you at any point during no, that really experience. Didn't. Wow. You were, you were dead to the world, yeah, Arthur. Dead to the that world. is definitely what I am. Uh, what do you? Have, what's your favorite game franchise, buddy? Uh, 
don't, again, I, it's just hard for me to pick that. Because if you say Dead Space, I'm going to punch you. What's in the it, do you have like? What's your instinctive reaction? It doesn't have to be totally well thought out. Knee jerk reaction. Uh, yeah, I guess Halo simply because Halo sort of rekindled my love for games after being crushingly disappointed with the Dreamcast. <laughs> oh, but Sonic Adventure is amazing. Really bad. Yes. Uh, actually, I didn't really have a problem with it, but I was like, what, freaking 12 or something? Right. I don't know. You're like, yeah, this is great. Nostalgia blinders. Halo's up there for me, too. Yeah. Um, last one. Do you have a hidden talent? If so, what is it? Yep. I can growl. You can growl? Mm-hmm. I've done this before. Oh, that's right, but not on this show. Do it real quick. That's true. Very nice. That is actually pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> B, do you have a hidden talent? I don't think so. Being handsome. All my talent in Oh, wait, that's not really are, hidden. That's yeah. They're <laughs> out for the world to see. Forearm hair. I can't. Back hair. Does that count? <laughs> uh, thankfully, that is hidden. <laughs> Arthur, what about you, buddy? I would say art, but it's, not, it's sort of public now. Do you have anything else that you don't talk about a lot that you like to do? That you're good yeah, at. Yeah, Arthur's an amazing artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, In case other you guys than that, know. no, I'm a totally useless human being. <laughs> Come on, jeez. Uh, I don't think I have hidden any talents. Uh, I would say that I am. Hmm. You can dance really well. Um, I can dance okay. I feel like I can dance slightly don't better be than the. I can dance slightly better than an average person can dance. I think you're the best dancer. Orders of magnitude. Than every other white boy out yeah, there. exactly. Orders of magnitude better than the average white person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so anyway, that was from Alex. Thank you very much, Alex. Those were good questions. Glad to talk about uh, my fine cast that I have here with me today. Uh, this one's from Noah. Please have Charles on the podcast on Wednesday, or else I will be forced to kidnap him and bring him back to his native Canada to Uh-oh. continue to bring joy to all the loyal Charles aficionados. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I did. Charles. Charles will be on at some point. We love Charles. We want him to be He's on the show. He's just busy playing Crisis today. He was not available what? to talk Crisis today, but that's he okay. He already reviewed that game, right? We need second opinions. Aww. And he's the PC editor. Game so the he voting. On PC. Here's I, it's certainly one of the best shooters of the year. No I mean, doubt. it's the best shooter so far this year. Yeah. Here is arguably our most important question we've had in our, in our long history. Ryan, can you read my letter on the air? Sincerely, AJ. Yes, I can. Oh. Have the ability. Congratulations, AJ. All right. This is also from Orion. There's so I think I feel like a lot of Ryan's wrote in today. Uh, congrats on the new podcast. I know this is no bottle of Jaeger. However, had this code for months and never got around to using it. It's for the first piece of DLC for Alan Wake. Maybe someone brought it, bought it used and missed out. Now, uh, uh, team, should I read the code right now? Just and read have, it. Let's read do it. it. FR3XPGP6W62J8VD. P F V C M Y two H two B. Good luck. Go I go think get it. That's kind of mean. Hurry. Think about what? go I'm, fast. I don't know how many people listen to this oh, podcast. Oh, those poor but people that bought dude, Alan Wake. Putting dudes. in those codes is such a pain in the ass. It's like it is. It's you have so not. many people going and putting in that code. It's just so not hard. To oh no, they have no, to work slightly to get something no, for free. No, sometimes you, you have to put the hyphen in. Sometimes it does it automatically. It's a pain in the ass. It's a pain. They actually they when they revamped the Xbox site, they totally changed all that. So you just have to type in the code. You don't. I'm pretty sure for one of those EA online passes, I had to put the hyphen. Oh yeah, but that's EA's thing. That's well, not... whatever. It sucks. They all have their different codes now because Microsoft Alan Wake, however, won't be charged anymore. Alan Wake is my favorite survival horror Charging game Charging for generating ever. codes. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe they and can I love so that's why I like EA and Rockstar now sometimes. Maybe they can use some of that money to make sure people don't hack their codes and give themselves points. Lulz. 
LOL. Fail. Moving on uh, to the end of the show. Oh, look at that. We reached oh, the end. Congrats. Uh, thank you guys very much for joining me. I do want to say that I am going to continue to play. We want a new outro theme song. Because so far, we, I'm just reusing, obviously, the intro theme song. And I did get two really good submissions from Marcus. Let's see. Marcus Lundmark from Sweden. Oh, yeah. Lundmark? Lundmark. 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 Uh, and I also got one from Andrew Elmore. I, we got a couple. That's a much less these, interesting last name. <laughs> yeah. These were – I really loved these. Thank you so much, guys, for sending these in. But we felt that – they didn't quite hit the nail on the head in terms of like our, our theme, like our tone. We are a 360 podcast. They were they just didn't gel with me. So I want to keep calling out for submissions. Guys, please, if you want to send in another one, maybe make it a little more upbeat, a little more 360 sounding. Maybe energetic. Just yeah. there you go. Maybe not. Maybe a little bit more just elaborate than that. Over and over yeah, but just yeah, ding. Uh, I, I do. Uh, your your two submissions that you guys sent though, fantastic. I really enjoyed them. Uh, just we just definitely want something that fits our show perfectly. So again, if you want to send in an outro song for our show, maybe about twenty to thirty seconds long, it should fade in and then it can have a hard cut at the end. Uh, send it to unlocked at ign.com, preferably in MP3 format. And if you choose it, it will forever be emblazoned on the end of our show. And that'll be awesome. 30 seconds long? Yeah, it's really long. Okay. 15 to 20. I don't really care. <laughs> whatever, whatever, sound, whatever sounds good. Whatever sounds good. It's a lot of music. Uh, anyway, the, again, if you guys want to so follow lazy. us on. <laughs> I'm just saying. Get to the I point. Get to I the point. It's the end of the Why show. Why don't we just so have a go? Matter. It's over. Who's going to sit there listening to 30 seconds of music after the Somebody podcast? Somebody who forgets. To turn it off. Yeah. Well, then they'll go. just get annoyed. They'll be like, "God, I wish this would just stop," as opposed to playing. Oh, oh my God, Brandon, I am never going to have you on the show again. <laughs> you are You're so mean. Wait for the reader outreach. All over the place. Reader, yeah, the readers of our podcast. People would be like, "I want to hear more Brandon Ayub. I know he's a video employee, <laughs> but goddamn, he knows a lot. Is about that games. like the people that read your video work? <laughs> what are you if talking you... about? If you guys want to follow us on Twitter, I am Plum Cider. <laughs> they're still readers, Christine... even if they're watching videos. Okay. Brandon. Oh, sorry. Are we in the outro? Yes, we're in the outro. Brent, <laughs> Christine is fight. Christine is Steimer. <laughs> Arthur is A E G I E S. A G S. Geese. Thank you guys again. Appreciate uh, coming on the show, and also thank you listeners for tuning in. We will be back again next week with more unlocked uh, talking about 360 stuff that I don't really know what we're going to talk about, but we'll find out when it happens. Thank you. <laughs> Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. 
So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.